0: Thanks, and welcome to this week's VFX show. Uh, We are looking at The Kingsman, and, uh, well, I think we're in for a good one, uh, if some of the pre-show tweets are anything to go by. I'm joined by Jason Diamond. How are you, Jason? What's up? And Matt Wallen. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, okay.
0: So, Matt, let's start right out of the gate with a review of the film. You said it was one of the most spectacular pieces of cinematic uh, journey that you'd been on, and you embraced it wholeheartedly as, I believe, a Shakespearean-level drama brought to uh, the silver screen. Was that not right?
1: Uh, well, it's a, it's a little bit not uh, quite right. Not quite my feelings, but um, you know, I, I so I, I was looking back. I think I've been doing uh you know this show kind of on and off with you guys um, and other co-hosts uh for since around Toy Story three I think was my first one that I did okay. with you, and um and we've been in that time, time oh I, so have I immensely, and I said in that time there've been um. Two movies uh, previously that I, I wasn't a big fan of, but this is by far I think the single worst movie uh, I've ever uh, gone to see <laughs> for the show. Is I think this is probably the wor- one of the worst movies I've ever seen.
0: Okay, good. Uh, and uh, and Jason, what did you think?
1: I wouldn't go that far.
2: I was not a uh, stellar film but there were uh, there were parts i i liked uh
0: okay yeah, so what about you i i thought the film struggled tremendously to be to know what it was but yes. i didn't hate it with the kind of intensity of a thousand white hot suns that i'm hearing from matt there are other films that i'll reserve that that uh, distinction for i think you guys know one of my all-time favorite uh, films in that uh category of things i just did not enjoy it was a kind of a comic book uh, kind of thing
1: Oh the Dark The Dark Knight trilogy?
0: No, no, not that one. Matt. No you.
1: Scott Pilgrim. Yes. yes. Oh yeah, that, that's my that's probably the second worst. And then and then the third would be no, and of are the right. Hobbit movies. Hobbit. Okay.
0: So so the Hobbit movie, the Hobbit movies I have no agreement with you over whatsoever. Scott Pilgrim um, was um, worse than this film, in my opinion.
2: No way! Way. Scott Pilgrim was way better than this movie. No, on, it was
0: dude. monumentally annoying. Oh,
2: uh, years high.
0: No, no. Um, it was spectacularly, unremarkably painful. It was like having this. This movie was eyes.
1: like uh, the uh, my my best description of this movie. It was it was like Spy Kids four starring <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs>
0: my problem was that if you want to be a spy Bondy kind of film, then you're totally competing with the really the realism of um, the born identity kind of stuff. If you want to go the other way then and be a comedy, you're completely competing for me with Austin Powers. Um, and so this look Or from even a-
2: new Sherlock Holmes, the you know, the guy which uh, Sherlock Holmes.
0: Okay, sure, maybe. But in that's that's a good way to go. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, okay, good. Kingsman for me was like um sometimes serious sometimes not serious and sometimes just not funny um and sometimes just crude for what seemed to be like very little cinematic humor drama or anything else for that matter i mean uh yeah
2: it seemed like they had a lot of fun making it but that's all they were doing like no one was no one was like you know Keeping a tally on the board, like, hey, by the way, all that all that fun we're having doesn't isn't amounting to that much. But Matthew Vaughn basically well, well, made boy, this as having fun.
0: Matthew Vaughn basically made this as an independent film. This was a, this is a film right. you can't put at the feet of the studios for a committee. This is distributed by Fox, but it's not a Fox film in that sense. No, um, you
2: couldn't. A studio wouldn't make those decisions.
0: Yeah. So. It's quite a lot of money. It's not a huge amount of money like in the sort of, you know, Avengers department of kind of uh of everything else, but it's still it's not a it's not a indie indie film. What um, was the budget? Uh I knew you were going to ask that and I'm just looking it up as we speak. <laughs> um I'm going to say it was 81 50? million. 81 80 million. million, right. Yeah.
2: But but I'll promise you that a lot of that was above the line.
0: You yeah. I mean
2: yeah, probably. So, so also, why did Sam Jackson need a lisp?
0: Okay, I hated that as well. I hated that <laughs> at so many levels. Um, I think they were trying to give him an affectation because some of the great villains in some of the Bond films had that. But the the not straight on baseball cap, to me, is is virtually telegraphing to young people. We're trying to be hip and we have no idea what we're doing. And even if you're doing it on a character because he's trying to be hip and has no idea what he's doing, it just comes off poorly. And then add well, to just, that the lisp. It was just
2: well, just let Sam Jackson be, be Sam, Sam Jackson. Jackson you yeah. want to be, you want that, then just make him be, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction and just go to the nines.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and then what was with the the Justin Bieber character and his baseball cap? That it actually, didn't, you didn't quite mind that kid. his head, how it kind of sat up on his head, like he looked like a a character from Leave It to Beaver or something.
2: I didn't mind him that much, honestly. He just really—he was better than the kid from Godzilla.
0: Um. Okay. I I actually thought the film. I th- I mean, look, you know, this is still this the. Um, this sort of acting side of things but i thought his portrayal of that character was was fundamentally flawed i actually thought colin firth was you know the least offensive and i thought well he was fine yeah and mark hamill was i would have liked to have seen more of mark i thought it was nice to see mark he was fine too he was great Mm -hmm. and and even michael Caine. um you know generally speaking i haven't had a bad word to say about michael Caine, but but yeah, so therefore, what what's left? Mark Strong. I don't think uh, Mark was particularly. Uh,
2: I love was, Mark Strong. Yeah. So which character was he? So, was was, was it, he? Really. so who's Irish so who's left? Irish guy. To, uh-huh. The the tech guy, the Q
1: type. Oh, guy. oh right right yeah okay.
0: So you see where I'm going with this, right? Like you're starting to diminish the number of people that we don't yes. like. We don't like Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> list, but we generally don't hate Samuel L. Jackson. That would leave the Swedish broad and her anal fixation, and uh, and the uh, the quote Justin Bieber character that you didn't like, which I just always have this problem of um, the sort of transformative, um, unrealistic. I'm a street kid to I'm a suave kind of um, hitman. Well, he kind was of thing.
1: he was never very suave, but. No, and then he was a he was a great misogynist, I think.
0: True, and the costume department should be shot for those overalls they were wearing during camp, Um, and then the whole sort of uh, almost uh, weird kind of training camp, like we're gonna almost kill people, but not, but we're gonna fake it all up. Like that was kind of
1: well, and and the and the body count in this movie is so high. Like, why do they suddenly care? as if there's some moral compass to this narrative that like, Oh, but, Oh, but she, she just works in accounting. She wasn't really killed, you know? And it's like, well,
0: (laughs) but of all the people that were getting knocked off at the training school, that meant that all of those were never going to go through because they had to be in on it. Right. So I don't know. Just, yeah. It's like Willy Wonka, you know? Yeah. Like, well, they're all
2: fine. They just learned the lesson, you know? Yeah.
0: And then (laughs) the dog thing, like, right again, yeah. Kind of lame. Um,
2: but that's I, what I'm I, yeah. saying, like it's a whole bag of shit that they were like, well, and in reality all those things are probably fine on their own or when worked properly into a story. But it just felt like a whole bunch of stuff that they were like, you know, yeah, well, just, you know I'm pretty let's sure add some it, I'm of this pre- and we need a little bit of that. And, need, and I know it comes from a Mark Millar uh, graphic novel or comic, right? And he's a uh, good writer. but I think but, the whole
0: Eggsy character, if you could cut him from the film, I think it would be a significantly better film. Now that would be pretty hard, as he's in like most of the shots. But then you'd have a good short film. <laughs> can I um, can I just point out one thing that yes, I sir? did
2: It wasn't necessarily seen. I it's hard to say that I liked it, but the the whole church thing where Colin Firth went ape shit to Freebird. I mean, I you know the only other ter- movie that's done that it was Devil's Rejects at the end when they had the big super slow mo. Shootout. Oh,
0: we've had quite a few sucker punchy type freebird fight sequences. No, I'm
2: saying Freebird. I'm saying using Freebird, the okay. song Freebird. Oh, okay. Skinner's but- song. I think only two people have done it. These guys, <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. And Devil's Rejects, which was completely reason was just genre shit, right? Just- yeah. I don't think Prime... Okay,
0: let's shift gears for a second, though, into away from story, which is... It's not even worth discussing story in terms of plot holes because there are black holes that wish they weren't as (laughs) vacant as this. But anyway, um, (laughs) let's discuss visual effects for a second. Um, And we're on the church bit, so let's keep going. I actually thought that Prime Focus did a a pretty good job with that sequence. Like, if you just look at that sequence in the church and you don't have any derivative issues like I do over the nature of mass um, killings and slow-mo shots and funky stuff. If that's the brief that you get and your prime focus, I think they executed it well. What do you think, Jason? Uh,
2: I I did, um, and I guess they did it in the very beginning uh, and kept it throughout. The, the, the nature of the fight scenes, I liked. I liked the sort of what they seem to shoot maybe half speed. You know, like their, their motions were maybe they may, went through the fights at a slower speed and then sped them up and or whatever they were doing and then had that sort of POV kind of whoosh and move. And it was a little bit Sherlock Holmes to bring that back, but but in the moment instead of, you know, predictory uh, the way they do it in, in there. But I, I enjoyed that, although, you know, at a certain point when that's all that's happening for most of the movie gets boring but conceptually i liked it you know i I, and i thought the the visual effects were good i mean the blood splatters are clearly fake right yeah but i mean i think there was actually remarkably lack of
0: blood for the amount of killing that was going on
2: well there's no blood on the floor it's just spray when because everybody gets shot in the head
0: well those (laughs) that weren't getting stakes through their chin through their skull yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) matt what did you think yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I if, if we're going to look at it in that regard, like I, on a purely technical level. Uh, I am looking at it purely uh, at a technical then, level. Okay, so then, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, sure. Like the, the only shot, and I, actually maybe you guys could remember uh, better than I do, but uh, there was one shot in, uh, I don't know if it was in that sequence or if it, perhaps it was in another sequence where there was some um, characters who were enveloped by fire, uh, and it was like three characters, like, um, kind of centered on screen, and then an explosion or some fire that sort of envelops them. I don't know if that was in the church or if it was in a different sequence. No, I don't think it was in the um, church,
0: but it was. But do you you know the yeah, shot? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, of? yep, 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 yep. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, and so so maybe I'm I'm jumping ahead or or behind. I can't recall if it came before or after. But but that, that's the one shot in the film um, uh, on on a sort of technical a kind of a compositing level that like I thought really didn't work it was like it looked like what it was like a a soft edge mat yeah. you know of something kind of uh, in enveloping uh live action characters and it just it it just looked cheap um or sort of poorly executed but the you know overall technically the fight sequence uh, at least what i recall of it in the um the church uh sequence i guess was uh it it, it served its well it's, it's, it's hard to find the right words um the visual effects work technically was um uh satisfactory
0: i mean they shot it with a 45 degree shutter so you've got that sharp crisp kind of choppy look which yeah. does work well and we've loved that in those sort of sequences to give it an edge um and there are some you know thousand frame shots in there and and um and it wasn't <clears throat> annoyingly disorientating like it wasn't necessarily totally clear what was going on but it wasn't meant to be but as as much as it was meant to be it was understandable for me um well it felt like it, there wasn't a
2: lot of edits you know which yeah. i liked it wasn't like you know the nolan fight scenes where it's like the cameras like they're holding the cameras at their bellies and you're just cutting back and forth as super fast pieces of action this was like full action moving you know camera motion and and really uh planned
1: shots you know but throughout they, but they- the whole there was something about that sequence though that I I don't know what it was. I not I don't even know if I could put my finger on it. It would be hard for me to describe it, but watching it I remember feeling like one, you know, sort of somewhat disturbed a little bit by the nature of what was going on. But it was Tarantino, it was,
0: wasn't it? I mean it was a very Tarantino well,
1: I think it was Tarantino. It was like Tarantino like post lobotomy Tarantino. Like okay. it didn't have any of the It was kind like of,
2: Django. It was like the scene in Django when he's shooting his way out of the house. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was like peck and paw, but you know, yeah. for first graders.
1: I mean right, yeah, that's a, that's a good description. Yeah. But but I was gonna say there's something about the way it was shot too. I thought that it, it almost it did feel very like indie movie. Like there was an aspect of it, even though like technically it was proficient, I think there was an aspect of it that felt low budget.
0: Okay. I don't yeah. know what that would be. I think um, it was that
1: there was I, a lot I think of it, camera movement. Like, and it wasn't and the, lighting was, the lighting was the lighting was so even too across. It yeah. felt like yeah. it was lit for like you know let's we're gonna do a bazillion setups today. We're gonna light it so everything's super even. Like there was no um, s- there was no real cinematic um, lighting in the scenario that they set up in the church. That's well, interesting. There wasn't in most that.
2: of the movie really. I mean, it wasn't overly stylized lighting in the movie really
1: yeah and some of the stuff in the in some of the like the secret base hideout yeah. sequence I think it got a little bit more interesting lighting wise but a lot of it did feel and and actually in the training camp too I think there was a bit more of that yeah. but a lot of the rest of it felt like almost more like um you know, like 1980s TV lighting and in terms of like yeah. that real quick, easy setup where you're not moving lights, you're just moving the camera, you know? Well,
2: also the interiors, all those interiors of the layers and, you know, the whatever, the even the equipment rooms have no windows, so they're forced to be more stylized with, you know, practicals and,
1: well, and, even and the pub, other the- units. The- it felt like it was a real, yeah. like a stage, you know, like it didn't yeah. feel like a real location. Oh, uh, like, the yeah. pub
0: definitely felt to me like a stage, but not at a. That's not a visual effects criticism. That's a cinematography, no, no, lighting yeah, criticism. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I didn't like is um, the the sort of really classic visual effects problem for me is there were aerial shots of jets flying into mountains that just were so absurdly kind of mm-hmm. non-realistic, and the lighting was so. Um, you know, weird in that that it was so kind of uniform and without kind of punch for a snow environment where I expect you know incredibly high contrast ratios and stuff. That it just all smacked of you know a FedEx commercial or a, and, <laughs> you know it was just just didn't seem you know it was like one of those commercials where where uh, we'll get your parcel anywhere and then something happens that's clearly dumb, but you don't care because it's all a bit sort of like, uh hi ho, hi ho, aren't we um you know, we're gonna go to any lengths to get you what you need. And and yet in the film, you know, that seemed like uh and the same thing I would apply actually to her in space shooting down the um satellite, yeah. the same lack of incredibly high con lighting and harsh kind of reality of uh of what would happen when you've got such a obvious single source from the sun and bounce from the planet, it was, um,
2: and a big and it, silver balloon over your head that's also bouncing light.
0: Yeah, but it just didn't have that kind of glare, that kind of yeah. uh, thin atmospheric glare, the glinty kind of glare that gives it that sort of uh, feeling, and so it just felt like a CG slash you know effects sequence. And I yeah, guess a lot of times
1: it it felt like it was lit like a cartoon, you know, yeah. in, in that regard. Now, some yeah, I, of mean, the, I don't think there was any realistic.
2: I don't think they were going for realistic lighting. It was clearly stylized. In but some, then,
0: by know. the same token, I thought the parachute jump, you know, like at the start of that, where they they first jump out and stuff like that. There were aspects of that. Some of the training camp stuff, the you know, where it was pretty realistic. The plane coming out from in front of the the mansion out of the you know ground and flying mm. off was just absurdly cartoony in its lighting
1: It was like thunderbirds are go yeah so
0: <laughs> you know there are aspects of it that that the lighting so this is my thing though you see i think it just didn't know what it wanted to be because yeah the jet coming out i mean that is just the worst shot to be given like if you're the the team that's given the jet comes out of the ground opening up Thunderbirds, you're like, oh my God, how can I make this look realistic? Because no one's going to buy it. And the plane going into the mountain, the same thing, right? Like, just no one's going to buy that the way you land a plane Of the only people that are meant to survive, you know, for the rest of humanity, Mm -hmm. is to fly them into a mountain that just happens to have a gap, in the hope that you can hit the brakes enough and not have (laughs) any kind of downdrafts that make you miss the sort of two inches of tolerance you've got.
2: Also, there was no, uh, there wasn't even like the snow didn't move when that jet got close. Like there wasn't even a backwash to blow, you know, snow particles or an avalanche or God knows what. A jet wash hits a mountain, you know,
0: yeah, so so when you had this very even lighting, this very kind of non sort of um cinematic lighting, that was in contrast to you know like the when their room fills up with water and they're trying to break their way out, and he kicks down the glass, and they all fill out like that had a more sort of divergent feel to it, um that didn't sit in that kind of same perky world of even lighting it was just Mm -hmm. sort of weird um so i i yeah it's hard isn't it because because i I think the lighting of the base photography and the lighting of therefore the matching visual effects just probably bothered me um a lot at a technical level um but inside a inside a, a visual effects sequence like that as i say if you just go to the breaking out of the water sequence like i don't think i would fault that if that's what the script asks you to do i thought that they executed that well i mean now now that's in sharp contrast to what opinion you might have about the <clears throat> exploding heads
2: <laughs>
0: so where do i begin to start um
2: which which ones well let's the, start
0: with the we're in the uh at the end you know the compound uh, and they start the, yeah the, they have a ballet the fireworks display. yeah, way, yeah. So, Matt, mm-hmm. let fly.
1: Well, uh, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I it's hard for me to, like, uh, you know, s- censor myself in some ways. I try to be as uh, professional as I can in discussing, discussing certainly the visual effects. But, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, with with regards to the exploding heads, like, you know, I think that there was a desire, I, I'm projecting maybe a bit here, but on the part of the filmmakers to do something that, you know, was sort of uh, strange lovey uh, you know, if you will, like um, uh, through that telling. And there was, this was a, it felt like this was a really angry movie. Like I felt like in story, like it feels like there's a lot of uh, anger and rage that's being uh, sort of exercised uh, through the narrative and on screen. And, and um, I didn't know there were, there were so many problems with the, the way that these things happen within the context of the story. And then, you know, the, the hacking of the device that allows uh, all these implants to then explode and cause on each head a sort of panoply of rainbow-colored mushroom cloud-like explosions that seem to um, uh, come uh, off of the necks of each of these people in almost like a slow motion. Like It was clearly an attempt at something that had a certain sort of stylized aesthetic, but i feel like it was difficult for me to be too objective about it in the sense that like at that point in the movie like i was so sort of just exhausted and kind of you know bored and just bewildered at what it was that i was watching that i i it it just seemed like it was just more of the same like it didn't have any real impact it didn't have any real humor to it um and you know, was it a great effect? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of hard to judge it in the context of the story. Like, I, it it didn't look real. It didn't look. Um, I mean, it just it looked like something from a cartoon. I guess.
0: So Boof did it in the end. They did in those nine shots, two hundred and sixteen heads exploding. And apparently, the challenge was to create an amazing thing no one had ever seen before with a particle explosion that was basically a choreographed ballet of uh stuff by avoiding the gore of heads exploding mm. and for me um that if you were if you could have pulled it off that the film was really funny and really like the audience was totally with you. And then you could come out with some kind of element at the end to have all these heads explode that didn't make you want to throw up, um, but, you know, was shocking and yet funny. I could see where they were going and then the audience would be like kind of, oh, God, that's just ridiculous. But it's just, oh, it's it's terrible. But yeah, I can't help but watching it because it's sort of somehow pretty. Mm-hmm. I know that's what they were going for. I don't think they achieved it. For me, for a start, it didn't look like heads exploding. It looked like yeah. you'd suddenly grown a large coral outcrop um, <laughs> from the Great Barrier <laughs> and Reef. Big and big piece broccoli or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it just did not look like a head exploding. It was sort of yeah. pink and purple. And then these little, cute little cloud that went up were so cartoon-esque as to be... Um, Almost literally like a diagram that somebody had drawn on a napkin at lunch, yeah. saying, This is I, what I think.
1: The, that's a really good point you make there, too. That like if it had been, you know, like sort of this thing that actually you arrived at a conclusion through the rest of the narrative in the story where it was like it was funny or it was sort of like a punchline or, or yeah. somehow it, it was more than just this kind of gratuitous display of like, I don't know, the mind of a 14 year old adult male. Well, I don't. I then it might have been interesting, but it was it just was so at that point it, to me, it was just like, well, I, OK, whatever, like the, it, anything can happen in this story. And I guess it's going to happen. And I, I I don't care anymore, but I, well, I'll watch it, I guess. I don't know. It just didn't. Yeah.
2: Well, there was so and much it, exposition in the movie
1: that they could have
2: easily added whatever they wanted to set that up. You know what I mean? To actually meant yeah. something. They could have yeah. added in some some shit from Sam Jackson to be like you know I don't know what. But my my bigger issue. I actually I actually conceptually liked the. I, don't, I mean heads. I'm not going to say I liked the heads exploding because it was just like at that point I had already seen like a million heads explode. Um, but I but I liked the concept of it being something different and it looked cool but it was i agree that it had no context so had they said it in some sort of context or had it been in a different movie or music video or some other you know whatever
1: it was sort of the opposite of like scanners you know what i mean it was like yeah you know yeah and i feel but, like i should say you know it's like i mean i you know i look at it i recently went back and watched the original you know john carpenter's the thing oh, yeah. which Jesus. is which is you know a totally so gory yep. movie and has yeah. so much kind of gratuitous kind of gore and it's violence all practical. in it. But well, yeah, and it's all practical. But it also like it's a really well told and well crafted story to this day. Like it's pretty fun to watch. Like I mean, it's you know Ten Little Indians. It's like Alien or whatever. I mean, it's like it's like all those kind of films. And there was something about this that tonally this movie struggled to kind of figure out what it wanted to be or how oh, what it wanted it to just, say yeah. or how it wanted to communicate that. It, and I, and I, I feel like it's important to say like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't, I mean, by no means am I denigrating any of the you know visual effects studios or artists who work on the show. It's like, you know, I, I think that's great. You know, you got to, you know, butter your bread with the butter you got or whatever. But I, I just think that, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of the talents and skill sets that were put to use in this project were put to use in this film, where I think that was such a muddled mess that it made it difficult at times for, you know, the work to really attain and achieve maybe, uh, except maybe in one case, there is actually one effect that I thought was pretty cool in this movie, but um,
0: please tell me anyway. it wasn't the prosthetic leg blades.
1: I was going to say it was the prosthetic leg blades. <laughs> oh,
0: no. I
1: That's thought I, I awesome. thought it was I thought it was well executed though I didn't I didn't ever see a shot where because I, I have a friend actually who I worked with um, uh, who is a para Olympic athlete a woman named Amy Mullins who um, she actually uh, when she was in um, university in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania I think it was she actually was like a, she ran track and field and stuff and she is like a pretty gifted athlete and then she's gone on to do some modeling and some acting and stuff and really cool. Uh, smart uh, young woman and um, she actually had the not the not shiny chrome uh, sharp scissor blade legs but she had those kind of um, you know blade runner style legs and stuff and so I'd seen her you know in those and other um, versions of the legs that she would use and I thought that I didn't know that the woman who was the actor that she's not actually if I'm not mistaken is that true she's that was all CG
0: Oh, you mean is the actress, Sophia, whatever, uh, like, you know, suffering from the disability of not having legs? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, She does – she has legs.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. And so so to me, I thought that was kind of cool because I didn't – She's a hip-hop
0: street dancer.
1: Oh, see, I didn't know anything about her. I'd never seen her before. And so I didn't know, like, oh, I wonder if she's, like, you know, kind of like my friend Amy. I wonder if she has, you know – you know, had, I was a double amputee and like they were, did these custom prosthetics. I didn't know that they were CG. So I thought in that regard, that's what I thought was cool is that I didn't yeah. know it until afterwards. It's so like a job with feet. Yeah. So for me in that context, you know, <laughs> again, it's like it's the goofy, the dumbest movie I've seen in so long. But but in that context of not knowing that she so, so was, Can I ask
0: you a question in the yeah. in your friend who, you know, I mm-hmm. admire anyone that's that. Uh, You know, deals with that kind of issue and and doesn't let them find them. But I would imagine that if you had those legs, and one of the reasons I think they got um, not so much banned but uh, limited in their use in the Paralympics is that it doesn't give you a normal walking gait because Mm. there's a kind of a spring action, which is also why they moderated their use in the Olympics. And And that's how I perceive it. And when I watch this film, she just looked like she had normal legs, except for when they wanted to do cool hundred frame a second shots, and then she didn't. And and at no point did I feel like she was walking or or you know as a as a character that character, except for when it was a case that we needed to kill someone with knives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's a fair critique. I I wouldn't disagree with that. I guess I I I think for me it's it's more base than that. It was just that I actually didn't know if she, she had real legs you know like I, I that's why i thought it it as a visual effect it, it, taking into account what you're saying that her gait maybe would have been slightly different i know that like you know you build stronger like glute muscles or something if you're walking in legs like that because of the way it sort of alters the musculature that you use yeah. to balance your body and to you know move forward and you know thrust forward or whatever and so um you know, physically, I think you'd also actually, you'd look slightly different in terms of the structure of your upper legs um, than she did. But at the same time, too, I, I, I wasn't as conscious of that part of it, watching it. I was just sort of trying to figure out if it was Okay, real.
0: we'll put it this way. In the film Jaws, uh, in the film uh, Moonraker, whatever it was, when they had Jaws in the Bond films... He had a mouth full of, you know, steel teeth that could miraculously give his jaw tremendous uh, (laughs) clenching power that that he didn't otherwise have just because he had steel teeth. (laughs) Okay. So we agree that it was dumb in the same sense, but it was consistent all the way through. And, like, mm. it, they they used it for good effect. Like, when he sees the girl in Moonraker, he smiles at her with those incredibly, you know, teeth. And when, when Bond first sort of sees him and kind of he smiles. Sure. And, so, and so, all the way through, it, it defined his character. He didn't talk a lot because he had the teeth. And, and so, you ended up with a villain that we... I think he was in two Bond films, wasn't he? Like, we loved him so much. And yet, he was like a good, you know, henchman baddie. But he was... He went beyond the role because the role sort of was defined... To not say this person is um is nothing more than the teeth, but that was part of the character, and like they they worked with it, and that was in a film then you know from like what twenty thirty years ago, where you know they sort of wasn't and so couldn't we have done the same thing here? Could't we have had a character who um you know you kind of used that aspect of her character like I would think oh, it'd sure. be be great if if someone had presumed she was less capable because she had a disability and instead of that she was vastly more capable right like, but that I mean, would
1: require intelligence on the part of the <laughs> writer and the director <laughs> yeah, and you're, so you're making I a you're making an assumption past the problem yeah yeah, like, okay, <laughs> I'm totally with you, Mike, but I think that, you know, it's like you're you're preaching to the choir. Like, How about I, this? I completely agree with you, but I, you know, from a purely technical visual effects standpoint, if I was going to look at this movie and pick out something that I thought was pretty cool uh, from a visual effects point of view alone, not related I, I to can, story, it would be the legs.
2: I can point out something that explains it perfectly. You have a super genius that's going to explode most of the people in the world's heads for population control, yet... In order to do that, he has to hold his hand on the control the entire time. Yes. And if his hand comes off, well, the whole thing just stops. Yes. I mean, it's the most <laughs> asinine shit ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And
0: And more to the point, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and it was that whole thing about now I would, you know, explain my plan to you and then you would give you an overly yeah. elaborate way you can escape. It's not that kind of movie. Bang. And yet they did exactly that. They did exactly the thing that yeah. they said they wouldn't do which is produce the absurdly convoluted evil henchman slash cave lair that just didn't happen to have his face on the side of a volcano but otherwise was suitably you know ripped off from austin powers i mean i know it's just all of that can i also
2: point out that this is also another movie in which michael caine lies in order to save the earth
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't even go there and comparing that to, to uh, Interstellar, which was just a cracker of a film.
1: Hey, while we're, on that, the way, while we're on that, by the way, while uh, yes. we're on that, by the way,
0: Matt, we kind of got it a bit wrong on our Oscar show.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Kind of yeah, didn't nail I it. was. I was totally shocked uh, when the uh, winner was announced. I wasn't actually watching the program, but I... Uh, I was uh, reading where I was laying on uh, my son's bed with him while he was reading at night because uh, he needs to have a buddy up there until he falls asleep. And so I was I was reading the uh, announcements on the Twitter feed on my phone, and I saw, and I was like, wait, what? And I was quite surprised.
2: Yeah, I was watching it, and, and I said to my wife, oh, it's going to be Planet of the Apes. And... And they said Interstellar. And I was like, what? I mean, it also deserved. But... Yeah. Um but it was the Predictinator, I, eh. right?
0: We'd, we'd become con- <laughs> we'd become overly uh, sort of convinced that uh, the predictor was going to get it right. And, well, and quite frankly, I, it had every other time up until now.
2: And then I went to like take my kid to the bathroom and he's half asleep. And I said, Interstellar won Best Visual Effects Oscar. And he was half asleep and he went yay (laughs) (laughs) because he loved interstellar he saw it twice you know like did uh, you
0: just while we're on this rat hole did you see the post i did on um on fx guide about ian hunter at the oscars
2: oh no i didn't see that
0: so so paul and ian and the other guys go up to get the uh oscar right like totally i mean you know as i say I I loved film. If you've listened to the show that we did on Interstellar here, you'll know I really liked Interstellar. I just didn't think the Academy was going to go for it. I thought they'd go for apes. And the predictinator said it would go for Guardians. So I was wrong. Predictinator was wrong. But leave that aside for a second. I'm watching it. I'm really happy that they did win because, uh, you know, I know Paul and I mean Hunter, those are really nice guys. And I'm watching as they walk up and Ian's doing something with his pocket and he drops something. And I'm like, huh? And then he gets up on the stage and he's, dropping something because he's been fiddling with his pocket and he pulls this piece of paper out and gets a pen out and wow Paul starts talking to a hundred million people. He's like doing something on this piece of paper and then eventually puts it away. But during this time he actually gets his Oscar and sticks it under his arm like you know like you'd hold on to a newspaper that you're picking up in the morning because you were adjusting your you know shirt or something. So it was like it could have dropped. It was literally just under his elbow, kind of hooked under, like, yeah, yeah, I'll just deal with that in a minute. And I'm like, what was so important that Ian Hunter from New Deal Studios, while winning an Academy Award, while Paul is thanking the world, is not paying attention and writing on this piece of paper? Was it like, uh, oh my God, I didn't think I was going to win, so I should have write some notes. Was it, uh, you know, whatever I do, I have to remember to, um, you know, somebody something, I don't know what it was. And so, I contacted New Deal the next day and uh, they had like about two or three hours sleep, which, you know, it's obviously to be expected. And so... And, and you know Shannon's really great and so I said to Shannon hey what's the deal like what was he doing? What on earth was he doing because it looked like he walked up and dropped his um, valet parking ticket and then went up and ticked the box on yep that that one's uh, goes that that category goes to interstellar tick and um, let's see how I'm going on my lotto thing and she went yep that's exactly that's exactly what he was doing. His Oscar he, pool card? He had an Oscar pool card, which <laughs> was from the LA Times, and he was literally ticking the bingo card sheet to say, yep, got that category right, tick, in front that's of about awesome. a billion people. and um, <laughs> That's great. And, and I joked that he dropped his uh, valet card, and that's exactly what he did do. As he was walking up the stairs, because he was fumbling in his pocket, the valet docket thing receipt <laughs> is what he dropped on the stairs of the, uh, of the academy. So, so, he goes backstage having an Oscar um, just no way of getting his car. Um, and then at the end, he yells out something. Did you, did you see that at the end? Of yeah, the, I saw it. Do heard. you know what he yelled out? No. Latin. Um, it's Latin for I accomplished the hunt. And his father used to say it about his family because they're, you know, hunter. And oh, they cool. used to translate it as I stay in the hunt. And uh, he, he loved his father very much. In fact, the scarf he was wearing at the Oscars, that checked kind of plaid thing, that was from his father his father had passed away and so he was wearing it to honor his father and you know the the latin he yelled out was the sort of hunter clan motto um but of course no one got that right i mean like no one i swear to god my daughter studies latin and she couldn't understand what he was saying um, so it was just as... I mean, it was basically like he was yelling out a spell from Harry Potter, um, but it looked remarkably, and absolutely, this is not the case. It looked remarkably like he was just drunk, right? Because he's like filling in his pocket and pulling things out and writing notes to himself and then yelling out so it seemed to be like very odd things, but it all made sense once you know, and if you know, you know, he's like a hell of a nice guy and absolutely wasn't drunk and he's just like one of the most nicest guys in the industry, but I just doubled up laughing when i heard about it the next morning
1: so that's actually pretty neat though like i mean i i didn't see the the replay of the uh awards but um i don't know just that story is kind of cool like and to even if it seemed crazy to somebody else it's like it's a moment for him and you know and oh totally he works with but and for his family too and it's like yeah I don't know, it's kind of neat to have that opportunity and have that be something that is important to you and do it. I think that's pretty rad.
0: I think it's incredibly human and incredibly endearing that both that's what happened and that's what he did, right? Like, I mean, I think that it's so endearing that he's not that corporate guy that's going to get up there and be really slick. He's like this very tactile, physical person who is just loves what he does and just loved the moment and totally enjoyed it while he was there like well, that's great i i wasn't laughing at him i really was genuinely just thinking it was just genius to have such a, a an honest moment that you would do that because like later wouldn't you just say to yourself why did i bother ticking that thing like i was standing up there i could have done that any anytime in the rest of the evening right i wasn't likely going to forget that category yeah <laughs> anyway so yeah cool. i just thought it was really funny anyway it's a complete aside but it's actually considerably more interesting than um than kingsman um. <laughs> yes, okay I was, So I say that. So Gazelle uh, wore green leggings Below the knee And uh, they had black markers on them And then they digitally removed her stuff And there were a couple of extra witness cameras To help with the tracking um, And they roto-animated off uh, what was on there And stuck on the ridiculously Whatever um, Things that had the things With the things on them And that killed
2: people <laughs> um, Can I point out the opening credits Oh, I can't uh, even remember them. Yeah, go on. When you know it was the it was the opening uh, sort of desert, you know, Arabian fight scene or whatever. But it was the the jets oh, the flying sequences? in and sh- yeah, yeah yep. and hitting the building and the rubble yep. pops off and it's the words. Yep, yep. I yeah. I like that again conceptually. I think it was a little too Zach's works title-y looking to me, <laughs> uh, but. I but, totally agree. But I liked it conceptually, and maybe that was supposed to set the tone for the movie. Like, hey, it's going to be super fun, like whatever. But I, I remember thinking, like, what's going on with the rubble? Oh, it's the yeah. title. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Like, you know, well, I like well, that, hey, but it's going to be was,
1: super fun. And then, but yeah. it could also be <laughs> like, hey, this is really going to be fun. Also, can
0: I just point out, if you're going to do that shot that goes through the window and lands in the room, you need yeah. to align your perspective. Yes, Yeah, and it just didn't
2: it just totally shifted halfway through the window and you're
0: like you know what i mean don't do it then you know you don't need to you can just come up and like go into black and then somebody steps away from the camera and you're in the room but yeah like the in the matrix they did this awesome shot where it's on the monitors and you go into the monitors and then you're in the room and it's just super transitional genius and that was what 1999 or something and you know you, you you can do that shot it's just do it or don't do it. Don't half do it.
2: Yeah, no. I remember. I remember. I meant to point that out too. Like watching it go in and being like, "What? What? Like, zoop, little wiggle halfway through." You know.
0: Yeah, that was. Yeah, I. I do not think that title sequence worked. In fact, I would say, if I was being harsh, that that would have been the version that you went. Great. That's approved. Let's. what well, let's see the final when the rubble yeah. looks right, and uh, we'll go with that. Because the rubble was uh, too. Uh, toony and yet yeah I, I think even the even the castle was not didn't look like yeah. it had enough ambient occlusion to my my mind
2: can i also i think probably my favorite part of the movie if yes. i could have one yes. is colin firth asking eggsy if he's seen trading places yes and then later when he's dressed in the suit he says to mark strong he, Mark Strong sees him and he says, looking good, Eggsy, and he goes, feeling good, you know, whatever, which is yeah. the two of them at the end of Trading Places when they're, uh, you know, getting ready to take the Dukes down. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that because I am a fan of obscure references and I did uh, appreciate that. See, but
0: yeah, oh. see, I kind of, yeah. Okay. No, no, it's true. Except for, I don't know. It's it's like it's annoying that there are some parts in there that like i like those setups like they had in the pub where you know you go he goes to walk away and he goes you know like for example when captain america steps in the lift and he's like just before we start does anyone want to get off you know right. like he, it was that same thing with the fight sequence in the pub at the beginning and at the end of the film and i like those right i mean i thought it was but in the captain america one it was just you were on the edge of your seat it was really interesting and engaging i just thought it was so well done you knew what was going to happen right no way captain america is going to die and there is no way in this that colin firth gets his head beaten to a pulp by the bullies in the pub but it's just you know there's something that was almost a little smug some smarmy about him in the pub sequence where with the captain america one it was like a resignation to what's about to come and us all going, ooh, you guys aren't even got enough people even though the thing's completely full of chocos of people. And in both situations, they were absurd setups. It's just, if you play it kind of more with the audience on your side and a bit or less like you're smug in comparison to the audience, it just comes off so much better. I mean, I just think those Marvel jokes, when they do those, they just have the right tone.
2: Well, that's because the story's already working before and after the scene.
0: Ah. Uh, do you think that's you know it, mean? Matt? Is that it, Matt? Well,
2: you're set into it more. You're you're, you're more yeah. invested. I don't think Matt was invested in the film after the first ten minutes. You know well,
1: I mean? I mean, I I tried. You know, I I feel like I I I lasted through the whole movie, which I didn't actually do with um, the Scott Pilgrim film. But and Scott um, Pilgrim was you
0: know. just so horrible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will fight you both physically <laughs> over that.
2: movie. Oh, no. I
0: mean, at least in this. Exe didn't jump up and suddenly become some kind of superhero with light coming out his ass and jump around in a split screen kind of.
1: No, See, that's a I real mean, comic saw, book movie. I yeah. saw this, this movie, I saw this in, it was in the morning too. So it was like, you know, I could, I could at least, I didn't feel like there was, I, I, I wish I'd never seen it. <laughs> uh, I, like, if I could, I I would wish I'd never seen it. And at the time that I lost of my life That's how I felt watching like it, I Pilgrim. could get back. Yeah. If they had a I'd sequel out to Scott, of Scott Pilgrim,
0: Pilgrim I would pay money to not see it. I've
1: you know, seen another, Scott Pilgrim probably ten times. So, there, to you guys. I, I was going to say another thing in the film, visual effects-wise, that I thought was kind of cool is, I don't know if you guys watched the reel, um, but it was one of the things that uh, Todd put in the, the uh, notes for the show, uh, was the... Um, the reel from that company, Blind Limited, that did the, um, the uh, like heads-up display, motion graphics work um, for all the sort of computer interfaces and like the behind-the-umbrella, yeah. the the sort mm-hmm. of look through the video glasses when they have the video conference. and I stuff. Kinda liked, and I kind of like. I I dug that. Yeah, I thought a lot of that work was pretty cool, and it had the it had that real modern. In some cases, it had the real modern kind of flat, you know, design that you hear talked about in terms of like you know android and you know ios interfaces or whatever but then it also had um some of the look in sort of the behind the umbrella gun you know it it even looks kind of like a like a low res kind of fuzzy display and so there was a lot of you know um a, a decent amount of thought put into sort of the design aesthetic that the different sort of elements would have and i thought that that stuff um was pretty successful in terms of its integration into the into the film
2: yeah, I mean, I thought it was a... I, I really liked the idea that he came into the empty room and he put on the glasses and they are all sitting there. It's like probably the one of the fresher takes on video conferencing in a, you know... Uh, yeah,
1: it was like the hollow... A modern or film, yeah, yeah. It's
2: like, yeah. it's like you know, the Avengers, he has to walk up to a screen with, you know, 10 giant heads on it. Right. You know, <laughs> so this way, oh, yeah, just put on my glasses and I'll see everybody. You know, that was... I, I agree, I... It was, and it executed well too, but that's what I was saying. Like earlier, there's tons of great ideas or even good ideas that are just, it seems like they just had a ton of ideas, but they weren't like wrapped around anything consistent.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were, they were, they were sort of um, yoked with like, I think a really immature filmmaker and a terrible writer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I,
0: I cried on the inside when I discovered Scott Pilgrim had, um, Uh, dean egg working on it because it was just a waste of talent that is just spectacular what about bill pope much better much better used on uh, another batman film but um (laughs) oh
1: please another batman (laughs) um you just wait
0: you just wait till dark knight versus superman comes out my friend oh that's gonna gonna gonna, be so bad directed by Zack snyder so it's not gonna be any good um it's gonna be awesome it'll have
1: a great trailer and then you'll go to the movie and you'll be like so sucked
0: um he's gonna go dark
1: so so i just have to do i do have to say one thing about this that i sort of been waiting to say this but um and, you know, forgive me if uh, I, you think I go too far here, but I actually think this is like a, a borderline racist, uh, incredibly misogynist um, movie. And I, I really do think that the, uh, the closing scene in the movie that uh, I, I don't, I actually don't even understand like <laughs> the mentality of the people who would put this in a movie to say that uh, the Swedish princess who is in a, prison cell uh he comes to her in the prison cell and she says if you go and save the world she says i will let you uh you know yeah uh, well, she, she says fuck me and my ass yeah I, and the thing and, is and
0: it, i totally agree because up until that point she's stood up and said no to the character like she has expressed a strong opinion to not you know do the wrong thing and, and right but
1: then exactly she had like a she there was some like moral center to her yeah. character but she she actually says from a prison cell i will if you do this i will let you do this to me and the indication linguistically and that at least from my perspective is that she's saying you know i will sublimate myself and remain in my prison cell and you can come back yes. to my prison cell and do this to me and i found and then they even actually have the shot which the filmmaker in the notes, he's, I was reading, he's, he, this guy seems to think that it's like, oh, it was like, you know, my humorous attempt at my memory of the old bond scene at the end with Q watching, you know, and, you know, this for, you know, a good old jolly old England or, you know, attempting. Yeah, and, in, sir. And, in, exactly. and it's like, and that, so I think, but it, but it's, it but was it's, not that, it, no, I it, totally wasn't agree with that. it was something totally different. And like, I, I mean, if I was sitting there with, you know my wife or if i had a daughter and i had wait well, i would never take my daughter to see a movie like that but if i i just feel like it's there's something about it that's so it's like you know the people involved in the whole gamergate controversy you know it's like it's like these just dark you know kind of basement dwelling trolls who somehow think that that is like the ultimate and the grin on the character's face like coming back to that scene as if that's like a funny joke like I yeah. I'm disturbed just personally, I, maybe I'm you know and I don't think I'm some total prude, but I find that so disturbing that that is popular culture humor for young men. I I, oh, I, I, know. Feel I like mean, there's something clearly, so way yeah. off base about that kind of uh, perspective and that mentality in the 21st century that that's there's this whole subclass of people who think that that's just funny and normal. I just think it's really just kind of distressing.
0: I, I was going to say, didn't mean to interrupt you, I was going to say, I didn't find it racist, but I definitely
1: found it incredibly sexist. Well, would, would they have had the evil villain uh, order Big Macs and have McDonald's if he weren't an African American? That's what I was wondering.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't take that as an African American slight. I took that as an American slight. Well, I mean, that well, was a, a comment on America. In no, I'm mean, I'm not defending it. I'm I just, just was like expecting
1: the worst uh, from this movie at all times. So I, guess, I, so I
0: found the yeah no, I found it really sexist and and offensive. Um,
1: but and I, what's weird to me is like I'm looking at like I, I was reading today like in preparation for this too and trying to kind of refresh my memory about the movie. Like it it's a movie that stayed with me, but in a way that like my sort of anger at the movie grew over time, you know, like I sort of found myself being more and more kind of just like, Oh God, like I just felt gross after watching it. Like I felt like I needed to go home and like shower, you know, I like just felt so disgusting and, uh, as, a, well, as know, an entertainment thing. Bad, but the the sexism
0: extended to the, 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 uh, female agent that uh, completes her training, um, ahead of, uh, Exy, because she has this problem of getting out of the planes, and I thought that that would be some plot point, but it just turned out that she was weaker, and she was less capable, and she struggled to perform the task, which was going up to blow up the thing, even though, theoretically, she got to the end of this uh, incredibly complex training and was the one that kind of won. And it seemed just a way of making a female character inferior, even though she won the day. And that seemed just petty, really. Just seemed and miserable. And why wouldn't well, her his... name have
2: been Guinevere if they were using all the Arthurian yeah. language? Yeah. Although, is that sexist to relegate her to not having Lancelot's name? I don't know. You know, like, uh,
0: Well, that uh, I, uh, I guess you could argue anyway. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the character herself was just not that competent. She still was yeah. a bit of a girl. Well, look at the wife. Look off. at the
2: mom. The mom was this incredibly well put together woman until her husband died, and she became basically like a crackhead.
1: You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, like and that her, was the and, same and woman, right? Like,
1: and she was like, and yeah, and all she wanted was was uh, to be taken care of by a man. And when her son comes back and says, "I'm going to buy you a house or whatever," like she just up and leaves right away too. It's like you know she's motivated by. <laughs> Yeah, it was just thinly, poorly written characters like by people who clearly don't know very many actual women, I think. See, the ending,
2: the ending thing with this Swedish princess, to me, just seemed so unnecessary and out of left field, regardless of any of the other stuff you said. Like, if you want to even just, like, shelve that for one second, just from a, a movie perspective, like, it, it, it didn't even fit the tone of the movie or the, the humor of the film, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I think if that was fairly... In the, if that was in the interview, like, I saw the interview, yeah. it had its moments, it's it's funny, but that type of humor fits that kind of movie. The Kingsman didn't have that type of humor until just that one scene, which I was like, whoa, wait, what? Like, Yeah, like, he'd become weird? the
0: new Colin Firth character, and we didn't think Colin Firth would be keen to... You know, virtually rape someone because uh, you know yeah, this was the well, price uh, of getting out of jail.
2: I don't know if I, I wouldn't see it that way. I mean, I, however you want to see it, it's it's their cho- characters' choices, and people do that all the time in the privacy of their own home, and that's their business. I it was simply more of a tonal shift for me. That was just yeah. like, what are you? Wait, what now? We're so now that's that's the tone and the humor of the film. I don't. I don't understand yeah. why, like. But that's what? what I'm
0: saying. Like Colin Firth's character wasn't making sexy, innuendo-y right. things. This wasn't the sort of right. the trademark of the character. And so, if Exy has completed his transition, why has he suddenly got a characteristic that he neither had as Exy or as Colin Firth has shown us the thing that he's becoming? It's just you, I, I'm agreeing with you. It's completely out of yeah. the field. But this is again it's a plot a point. That, like not this
1: a, movie's gone on to make like a lot of money and like, it's got great reviews. I don't, I just don't, I guess I feel like I'm clearly not the demographic for this movie, but I, I will say that I, I personally just find it kind of disturbing that there is a huge demographic that thought this movie was really good. That freaks me out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm less (laughs) upset in the sense of, uh, being, you know, mortified over, um, uh, that, fact that you know somebody actually liked it that that doesn't bug me kind of as much i guess as um just thinking that you've got some really really good you know visual effects people doing stuff that just doesn't win the day because it just doesn't look right um
1: well what did we say it was like it was 80 80 million dollars something,
0: something i mean that's right but sam jackson's not
1: working cheap
2: and neither's colin firth you know what i mean or michael kane i mean yeah. you know there's forty million dollars worth of salaries probably on that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Though
0: probably, though really yeah. how much of that is gonna be full hundred percent up front? And surely a bunch of that's gonna be defers and, and, and other things, right? You think so? Yeah, it's not gonna all be up front. You know you and most of those salary things that you hear when the actor gets five million, they have the potential to earn five million. They don't actually get a check before they start work for five million dollars.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um yeah, but that's, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that the, uh, I just, I mean, I, I didn't like the film, obviously, so much, but um I didn't hate it as much as uh, Scott Pilgrim, but I totally agree that um, it had some very fundamental
1: sexist, uh, as I said, I didn't get the racist thing that... um. That you did. Did well, I you might get be, that? Maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting that onto my... On I didn't my get own. any
2: racist <laughs> stuff. I mean, serious, clearly the characters were very stylized to have you supposedly, quote-unquote, know that character before they even speak. But, uh, yeah, I didn't... I mean, it, was, it wasn't any more racist than just, you know, portraying the kid as the, you know... Um, south london kind of you know um i don't know a uh, hood hoodlum kid you know i don't know if that's any more generic of a you know i would take attack the block over this movie you know uh, as an english sort of action flick you know but
0: yeah i mean there are some good people in there like john bruno is a great vfx supervisor he was one of the uh the supervisors on the film like there's not It's not, I mean, listen,
2: if you were, if, if, if you were, if I was handed this film as a director and they said, hey, that visual effects team is who we're bringing onto your movie, so watch the film for that. I'd be like, great. These guys do good work. I mean, like, I wouldn't, there wasn't any work that was offensive in the film that would make me say, there's no way I'm working with these people. I mean, everybody did good work. I think it's fundamentally at a filmmaker level that, uh, that there was the issues at, uh, you know, at direction and, and screenwriting. I agree with that, yeah. I mean, which we off. I mean, I think we say that a lot on the show. Like, obviously, the visual effects supervisor isn't, uh, or the artist isn't. Yeah, we can't. We can't give them a complete story free pass, points, though. You know what I mean?
0: No, I really don't think we can give them a complete. Free no, pass. but you
2: know what I mean. I, I don't I'm gen- think it was I'm generalizing. Yeah,
0: there was some. There was some lighting stuff in this that could have been, I think, considerably better. And there was. Yes. Um, now, whether it was not there because somebody wanted it to be that way, or they didn't have enough money to do it, that's by the by. I can't, I can't, you know, say that uh, it was faultless in visual <laughs> effects. Anyway, that's it. I think really, I don't think we can <laughs> really get much more.
1: Yeah, I like that. I got to like go. I got to be really harsh. This show is fun. Okay.
0: <laughs> somebody said to me in the in the pre-production meeting we were having. It's like, Matt didn't really like this. I was like, yeah, yeah, no. I, I read that tweet and they went, yeah, but he never likes anything. I was like, what? Uh, oh, that's you know, not true. Uh, kind of
1: that bad. <laughs> I like some things. Yeah. just if they're, if they're really, really good. Don't like Scott I like really good movies.
2: Yeah.
0: Dark Knight, that kind of stuff. It's, it's <laughs> Birdman, really I don't
2: know. Hey, you know, come on.
0: <laughs> Birdman went pretty well at the Oscars.
2: Yeah. I saw it, it twice well. in the theater. I loved it.
0: Suddenly, it was number like it was up on the top of the running order on my iTunes. Like, buy this, buy this, buy this. It's clearly uh, going to get a lot more. And I tell you the other one, which I that uh, I saw before the Oscars, um, and was so glad that I did. You want to guess what it is, Jason? Nothing to do with visual effects. Might have something to do with drumming.
2: Oh, uh, Whiplash. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that at Sundance oh, last year, so last good. January. It was my kid. Had watched you seen this Yeah. Like I had my kid. My kid plays drums. He's eight, and I was like, you know what? I don't care about the language. We were in Florida, and on the way back, I said, "Watch Whiplash on my iPad," and he loved it. He's like halfway through the movie. He's like, "I want to practice till my hands bleed," and I was like, "Let's do it." You know what I mean? Like, get Are motivated. You rushing or dragging? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I did just watch it's the clear, short.
0: Clearly, it was rushing. By the way, just for the record. Yes. <laughs> Uh,
2: huh. I did just watch the short, uh, which had one of your friends from Scott Pilgrim in it.
0: I, I, yeah, uh, I'm not going to go uh, there.
2: Um, but it's interesting <laughs> to see, you know, the short film is like you know the middle 18 minutes of the movie or whatever, mm-hmm. and a lot of the same shots. And it's in, it's nice to see that he was trying something and he felt it worked and he stuck with it. You know, what I mean, in in shot design and w- what's the director's
1: and, name of that one? The writer, Damien Damien Chazelle. Yeah, I heard a great interview with him. I couldn't remember his name, but I heard a great interview with him on the, I don't know if you guys ever listened to that Jeff Goldsmith, the Q&A podcast. Oh, yeah. I, where they just talk about screenwriting is... and, like, breaking in stories and stuff yeah. like that. It's it's really great. And uh, that interview uh, that, that Goldsmith does with um, the, the film writer-director of that movie, uh, Whiplash, is so great. I mean, just how it's, like, it's really kind of... Like it's his story, really. Yeah. Not, not a true story, but a you know fictionalized version of it. But he he knows that world really well, and it's just so it's so cool that
0: it had an enormous vocal. authenticity to it, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we were, I was on a shoot the other day, and we were talking about it. I
2: forget who it was was with me said, my father was Damien Chazelle's drum teacher. Oh, wow. And he's like, cool. and he was <laughs> not obviously that uh, maniacal, but. That you know he obviously uh, you know he he inspired that character and my friend uh, Jill was the New York location manager on Whiplash and she just said you know couldn't stop gushing about what a nice uh, kid he was and I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way but he's a young younger than me yeah sure uh, and uh, and that he was so like you know. Pointed and and on the ball and, and we ran into him in the street a couple of times in at sundance last year and just seems like like a super nice genuine kid and it's nice to see or person and it's nice to see people like that getting success yeah you know, totally. yeah because he's a talented guy
0: hey um well i've got you jason uh we're just putting out the rc podcast with the um Ari uh, Mini, man, we are going to oh, be talking yeah. about some film shot with that sucker in oh, yeah. the next uh, year or two, I reckon. Yeah, so, if, if, if I was in the
2: market horse. for an Alexa, I would buy that.
0: Oh yeah, carbon fiber, size of an epic. Yeah, just same chip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just it's, a cracker. It's,
2: well, I don't want some big giant camera. Yeah, <laughs>
0: really, really cool.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to buy uh, one because I already have enough cameras to choke a horse, but. uh I th- I was very surprised that they put it out as early as they did.
0: Mm. Yes. But yes. smart,
2: super smart on their part. They're gonna eat up a lot of dragon rentals on uh features that are that have to split cameras for gimbals and
1: stuff yeah. like that. And isn't it like thirty, thirty K for that thing though? Thirty five? De- right? Depends, yeah. It's, well, what is the like full the full they haven't released full Alexa processing. like eighty five? It's, uh, oh, so it's a pretty good deal then, I guess. Well, I mean, you, you still have to do
0: some other stuff, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, but it's got interchangeable mounts. It's got um, mm-hmm. just uh, the Alexa chip in there. So you're going to get the same look, the ca- same colorimetry. The, yeah.
1: It's, and it seemed know, like, wasn't it like the, the, num- the, the largest number of films uh, that were up for yep. the cinematography award this year were shot on the Alexa, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So it's, the, cool. it's the camera that cinematographers like because it's a workhorse. It has that kind of DNA that comes from um, yeah. from ARRI's film days. So, it, you know, it's sort of, it's there, it works, it's reliable. But then the other thing is that from the earliest days, they had the um, ProRes option. And a lot of us, uh, you know, and I was a Red uh, owner at that stage, and I, I don't know if I red anymore, I sold it. But uh, the thing about it was I really liked the raw files because I could just mm-hmm. do so much with grading with them. But what the Alexa did is it gave you a lot of latitude um, and while wow, we can't talk about it yet, when it comes time to talk about uh, Fury Road, um, they really used the latitude of the um, Alexa. But anyway, the, what the Alexa gave you was a lot of latitude. And then instead of it being raw, you could get it in ProRes format, which meant that the red workflow of having to convert the raw files and transcode everything, which took a lot of time and was chewed up huge amounts of disk space all went out the window. You just popped it and you had ProRes and you dropped it right in Premiere and away you went. Um, But ProRes is actually a remarkably robust uh, compressed format. So, you know, RAW is pretty bad in terms of disk space. Then you expand it to kind of something sort of uncompressed and full, you know, flight, especially if it's like 4, 5, 6K. They're just huge files. And so everything just sort of slowed down. Alexa was just a fast workflow. So if you're in commercials and not doing major feature films, like indie, you could use an Alexa and ProRes and get great results. And if you were the sort of, you know, hardcore feature film, uh, you'd go the other way and then shoot to a codex and have tremendous uh file well, latitude.
2: However, mm-hmm. a, as you well know, uh, a 6K Dragon file is not much smaller in its compressed raw state than the ProRes, especially 4K ProRes and uh, you know or, or what they're calling UHD on the Yeah, but that wasn't Alexa. what happened
0: that wasn't what happened like, I, I, I'm with you and if you could have taken the r 3D file and just immediately started editing in ProRes as is well that's the issue it's, it's more of a it's but more you had the the trans- translational yeah yeah, and it kind of makes sense right because if you think about it in a camera you've got RGB uh, when you've got a file made up of the three color components but coming off the CMOS chip you basically have one frame where because of the way that the, the dyes are in front of the light wells You know, you've got green, blue, 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 and then you've got green, red, green, red, and so as a consequence, you actually just have a black and white frame effectively that you're going to interpret into RGB. Yeah. Now, any CMOS camera is the same, but inherently that means that before you've done anything clever, you've got a third of the data rate uh, at the raw file over, you know, a non-raw, uncompressed format. So, R3D was always going to be a good idea. The trouble was that you got you know, odd transcoding's going on. And I remember in the early days, you'd get some producer would try and transcode on their laptop. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, I mean, you start getting nightmare dipshits, and, you know. Dipshits
2: will ruin everything. Yeah, <laughs> but the
0: thing is, you handed over your ProRes file from your day of shooting with the Alexa to the same dipshit, and they didn't touch it. They just used it, yes. and it was fine.
2: Yes, I, I agree. There, there are certain uh, controls. The dipshit safety net. Yeah. And it, is, is an
0: R3D file... Great! It's genius. Like it's really, really good. Yeah, I'm just but
2: arguing the other side. I mean, I, I I see the benefits of both cameras. I'm I'm fairly camera agnostic. But oh, I see so I see the benefit I, of
0: both as well. But what Red should have done, way way the second that the that Alexa appeared with the um ProRes is had a ProRes option for the for the Red right. If Red yeah. had come up with a ProRes option that just clicked on that was just there and said yeah sure shoot R3Ds don't shoot R3Ds we don't mind we're good.
2: Well, I um, mean. I mean, they they. What they, what would have helped them is is if they would have been able to do 4K ProRes before anyone else. Yeah. Because but that would have been because huge. You have because there were tons of third party offboard recorders that pulled flags and time codes and all the matching stuff. If you wanted to do, I mean, I've done a ton, a ton you know, like yeah. travel jobs where we hang sure. a box off the side and make our dailies on the fly, you know, while we're shooting. So there's those options. It, it exists, and you can hand those ProRes files on the fly, or DNx, or low res, or whatever the hell you want to make to uh, to whatever. It's more that it wasn't it wasn't as elegant as an S by S card. No, right? no, no, no. Right Sorry, my friend. It was worse
0: than that because it was basically in the early days pulling out a 1920 by 1080
2: feed. Well, yeah, that's why I said if they could have gotten a larger res, and but uh, but also it was ProRes, a fast
0: du- du- and dirty. Um, color space conversion what you wanted was a good quality red branded uh, you know 444 ProRes option that clipped on that you simply said to someone hey if you don't want the trouble of transcoding don't you'll still get the benefit of our great small form factor you'll still get the benefit of everything else Um, here is your uh, you know file just go knock yourself out however we would like to recommend that you you know consider an R3D workflow when you um, when it becomes relevant and and they would have been ahead of the game because let's face it, the initial car God we've really gone a rat hole here, haven't we? The initial <laughs> path with the um, Alexa was to do that with a third party, which was Codex. Now Codex right. became much more part of the Alexa map, but it was 2K. There was just nothing like it. Right. There was no 4K there. So yeah, I know I a, agree
2: with you. That's what I'm saying. If had had they figured out the yeah. the 4K ProRes option before everybody, and and done as you said. I believe that they would have been ahead of the game in certain instances. uh, Again, it comes down to color science for most most DPs and stuff. I don't actually
0: think... I don't think Red has any problem with color science, I think. No, but um, what
2: I mean is that a lot of the DPs talk about the look of the image versus ProRes or Raw or whatever. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean?
0: That's true. I think there's just one other thing, right? It feels like when we were all asking for that, they were just saying, no, 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 you want 6K? And we were going, yeah, we really don't. We <laughs> really want you to do the pro res. Yeah. No, 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 we know better than you. We're going to do it. Like, okay, well, then I'll just interview yeah, well, yeah. somebody else's.
2: Private companies are live and die by their decisions, you know.
0: Yep. Yeah. But there you go. A huge rat hole for you guys listening to the show, but there you go. Hey, um, that's all coming up over from the RC. This is not the RC. This is actually the VFX show. Um, but we just decided that uh, we didn't want to keep talking about Kingsman. So there you go. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. M- Matt, where can people uh, hunt you down and try and um Yeah, you can send you your,
1: your hate mail, mail? Yeah. Uh, to <laughs> – No, uh, you can uh, – if you want. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to discuss with anybody who wants to discuss. I'd be interested if anybody had any other uh, – you know, illuminating points of view and uh, could dissuade me from my passionate views against uh, this movie and this uh, particular <laughs> style of filmmaking. But um, uh, I'm at mattwallen.com, uh, and I'm on uh, Twitter at mattwallen. Jason, uh, I am at uh,
2: thediamondbros dot. Uh, com. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> Diamondbrothers.com. Uh, the site I have with my brother uh, and partner and twin, and on the twitters at Jason Diamond, and Instagram at the same.
0: Excellent. And of course, uh, I'm Mike Seymour on Twitter, and you always find me over at FX Guide. Guys, thanks so much for being with us. We've got some great stuff coming up. I always say that, but we're, it's because we do. We have some really good films coming up. We have Avengers Fury Road. We have uh, maybe even a Fast and Furious 7. I don't know yet. Um, but we're going to be looking at Chappie. Doesn't, I don't know, got some bad reports this morning about some bad um, reviews. I've been looking forward to this enormously I Chappie. I am so a huge
2: Deontward fan. Yeah, me of too.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> I haven't liked Dev a lot. So, yeah, I, let's hope they're wrong. But anyway, that's all coming up uh, soon on the VFX uh, the show. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we'll go check you guys out. I'm not going to quote from the film. I sometimes do. I just you should think quote
1: so. that last line yeah, from so. the Swedish <laughs> princess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they already did that to me, Matt. Thanks. See you guys. See you guys. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfx@fxguide.com. Copyright 2012, FX Guide, LLC.